Hello everyone and welcome back to Experience Point Starfinder, your favorite all-queer cast Starfinder podcast. I'm Steph, your resident chief medical mystic. As always, we'd be grateful if you would take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us and it helps new listeners to find us. We hope you're as excited about our show as we are and will recommend us to your friends, community, and just about anyone. Exciting news! We are now on Patreon. If you'd like to support us and help ensure we're able to continue creating podcasts that showcase inclusive stories, we hope you'll consider becoming a patron. We are grateful to everyone who has already become a patron. You keep our mics on and our dice rolling. We cannot say thank you enough. We've got some great rewards, so please check them out on patreon.com slash experience points. Stay tuned after the episode for some more exciting announcements. This week on Experience Points, Kelrick, Kenny, and I sat down on Twitch for an Ask Me Anything. We hope you enjoy this peek at the players as we talk about our characters, storytelling, and we share a glimpse of what lies ahead. Enjoy! Our typically our Saturday recording session, but we had some unforeseen events happen, and so we're gonna we're, we're gonna be streaming today. Um, yes. Our with Steph the Bard at Luna Starwind on Twitter with. Uh, Kelrick, who is at Cormelon on Twitter, or at EQ Points on our Experience Points. Although I'll be honest, that is also Punder and sometimes Brit, who also do add EQ Points for us. So it's not all me. There are a lot of fingers on that tweet button. <laughs> and uh, and myself, I'm Kenny at Punder Drone on Twitter. Um, yep. High, high energy, low sleep, high caffeine. We, we got this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is anyone else feeling a little awkward about how Angus is having all of these existential issues with being captain and in charge of people's lives? And then we're in space combat and you're like, eh, put them at risk. Eh, put them at risk. Eh, someone will fix it. <laughs> a little bit. My, That's all right. My you're trying. I had some serious issues with those decisions, but I was like, I don't know what else to do at this point. <laughs> Thankfully, Mew was super kind and was like, oh no, your food stores may get damaged and you have to restock if you don't fix this crisis. Yeah, Mew did take the kind route with us. We we definitely appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So how is everyone liking the new type of space combat that we're doing? I like it. Um, the Starfinder one had seemed really confusing. And when I listened to like when it was done previously on the channel or previously with like roll to fail, it was really easy to just kind of tune out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like I listened to quite a few Starfinder podcasts and, you know, anyone who's stuck with the base Starfinder thing, it I actually really enjoy it if I'm just tabletop playing with people where we're all together and looking at a table moving our minis together it wasn't as bad but when you're trying to put on a show where people are engaged in listening one and turn and two and two three and four and turn is boring af well i mean you know it's kind of like we're choreographing a kick line so i mean that's kind of fun <laughs> No. Well, isn't that what me you said anyway? Yeah, and was... it's, it's absolutely true. Like when we we had several meetings about it uh, after our first couple, and we were like, "This is just not working." 
And so Mew went out and found the Stars Without Number and has been really jazzed about getting that in one of our And I think we need to go through it a couple more times to really smooth it out, but I think it was already more uh, cinematic than the other way. Like, we really tried, while wrapping our heads around this new concept, to still role-play a little bit. And I think, Kenny, you really did that best. Like, bringing in an NPC and (laughs) just going to sass town on them really was exemplary for that. Yeah, it's really difficult, I think, to kind of try to do something mechanical, like with game mechanics, and then try to make it also super interesting when it's just you trying to implement a rule set. Like, Mm -hmm. I am doing this thing and rolling. And for me, I'm like, okay, so I need to do that both as Kenny, as Absco, and in an interesting way that draws people in. And so I'm like, okay, so Absco picks on the crew. Absco <laughs> um, is unnecessarily intrusive. So how can how can that work in this paradigm here? And so that's that's kind of why I was trying to keep my head in at the moment. And you know, I, I think it worked okay the first couple times, but then you know, I, I couldn't come up with anything else new. So that's why I was just like, hands on the controls, whole time controls. Yeah. And I mean, part of my stumbling block there is also I want to be true to Starfinder because Starfinder is the whole reason I started this show. I mean, I love Starfinder. I think it is fascinating. I think that the way they treat LGBTQ people, IA people is amazing. Like they, they find ways to make it to where we're not the butt of jokes at any point. We're not mm-hmm. punishment. The whole way the sex change serum works where it only works if you voluntarily accept it makes it to where, you know, dealing with our life experiences isn't a punishment for people. And I love that, that they've built species where, you know, being agendered or asexual is just part of being that species is really wonderfully thought-provoking for people who've never had to think about it. And so I think they do such a great job. And so when I was doing the stuff with Angus, using the Solarian powers was my way of bringing that rule set back into the forefront of people's minds. Because while I like that we're using something for the podcast that makes it a little bit more story-driven, I still want to stick with what we do for Starfinder because I think Paizo has done just some amazing stuff. I really, I really wish they would change everything from races to species because there is a species difference here that we're talking about and races yeah. as construct is something that should just be taken out anyway. Well, I mean, so like races are very personified as, you know, human based, you know, classification and stuff like that. And like, we're dealing with aliens. Like they, they don't have a binary. They don't have, you know, all of those human characteristics. I mean, the the Bronthu, who's like a floating gas bag with, you know, all of the different, you know, weird tenderly appendages. Like, yeah, so the, they're going to have a male sex and a female sex. And really? 
<laughs> and I'm sure they'll define themselves by their sex. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like like there's a, a Victoria's yeah. Secret for Bronthu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really want to see that as a as a piece of art now. Hilarious. <laughs> I need to go look up Bronthu names now. <laughs> What Thanks, Allie. What kind of things are we looking to do going forward? I mean, I'm really, really curious what we're up to next. I, there, as I hit my desk, um, there are so many different things, like, in terms of representation that I would love to kind of do and play around with. Um, I would love to do more for non-binary and trans representation. And, you know, we have that with ABSCO. And then of course we have Miu and Britt who are not with us this week, but with us in spirit um, as players who are non-binary. But I wanna see more of that like in the actual game. And I don't know that I personally am equipped to do that, but it's something I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I try to do a lot and that I hadn't really talked about with EOS is um, talking more about like the ACE spectrum. Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. Because I myself um, am demisexual, which is still something that doesn't really get talked about. Like there's been more representation of being asexual and aromantic, which is phenomenal. And I am not belittling that in any sort of way, but being demi, I think of ACE as a spectrum mm -hmm. and demi as part of that. And anything that I can do in terms of writing, role-playing, obviously, to show more of that, but also, you know, showing lesbian characters in ways that are non and things that are non-traditional. You know, you don't just want to see the butch lesbian with the gun. It's like, I want to see the femme lesbian who also can kick your ass. Nice. I want to see the butch lesbian who is the sweet caretaker. I want to see the person who is a little bit more like me where you're not really in one camp or the other in terms of the stereotypes, just being and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Like I, it's all fun and games to play in the stereotypes that we make of ourselves in the community, but I want to play with them. I want to push them. And mm -hmm. that's all that I've got. Yes, cookie baking butch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Angus has gone through so many transformations. I'm really struggling to figure out who he is anymore. You know, like my whole character concept was this person who had gotten out of a relationship and decided that they just needed to make some really big world changes. And so they went out to do what they were passionate about, which was be an engineer. And then they wound up in this really traumatic, sucky experience and trying to come back from it. And over time, with our cast changes being so dramatic and quick and then just trying to keep everything on track, he's suddenly been thrust into this role of captain, which is outside of his wheelhouse. 
but also, you know, something that I think he could eventually have grown into more organically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know how to identify with him in this whole new realm of responsibilities. And so I'm really struggling with finding a way of truly representing him anyway. I mean, I, well, it, I love it, him. I just don't we, know what to do. We had that, like, the after the 20th episode, the, the cast sh- a shift, and, you know, we, in story, you know, changed, like, went, like, three weeks from, you know, one episode to the next, where I think there could have been that character growth for Angus, but since we didn't play through that, mm-hmm. like, you didn't have this, the opportunity that we normally do where we microanalyze every, you know, 30 minute block of action right. <laughs> in play, you know. Um, so Angus didn't really have the opportunity in play to grow into the captain's role, where I think there could have been these awkward things between Angus and Absco about, you know, who is in charge, who's taking over that, you know, frilly pink cape. <laughs> Although Absco would have nothing to do with leadership. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I expect nothing less from them. <laughs> they, they found the taste of someone else making their decisions for them. They're like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I am trying to not say the thing on the tip of my tongue right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are live. <laughs> I know. Like there's no tape. I'm trying to be mindful so of that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think maybe once this fight is over and we kind of have a lull in story, you know, maybe we take a beat and have kind of like a interlude moment because so much has happened in the time since Mordax and Eos joined the cast. Mm-hmm. Like we as a cast are bonding, which is fantastic. Like I love playing with you guys. I look forward Likewise. to this every two weeks. Yeah. You know, and not just that, but like sharing stuff on social media and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, our characters, and I've had to stop and think about it when I was working on something with Eos, they've known each other like a week. We've had like five months <laughs> to get to this point. So like, I, it may not be a bad thing to throw out there to me to like give us a breathing moment. Yeah. I, so, I mean, there, it's a really difficult balance. Like, cause we, we went through several episodes where there wasn't a whole lot of action where I think we yeah. could have had a lot more interaction. And There's I don't so know if- exposition. I don't know if it was that, like, I think as a player, I didn't know how to engage with the content, more or less. You know, I know that this we needed the story, and we needed the story elements. But, you know, I was like, okay, Absco wouldn't have done much differently. Like, they, they're an observer. They're, they're fairly passive in that way in these sorts of situations. And so it wasn't ripe for character interaction and stuff like that. I worry that in those sorts of episodes that it becomes stagnant. Mm. And so I, I think there's a, a balance to be struck. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm really excited. We we did a a one shot that we're we'll be releasing um, with. Uh, are, did we announce this? Is this okay for me to talk about? Sure. Okay. We we were doing announcing uh, on stream and, right. and today here only. Well, this will probably be cut here and, in advance. Here in advance, <laughs> uh, we we are doing a one yeah. shot um, skitter shot. Uh, where we did a DM swap with um, Roll to Fail. So uh, Callie uh, DM'd our game, and Mew is uh, going to be DMing their game of Skittershot, and we're going to see how our casts diverge um, in, in doing that. But in, in playing the Skittershot, it was really interesting how it was just action, go, go, go. But I felt very capable and uh, available to play that character. You know, and and to interact with other people in the in, in the cast in that way, so I don't know. Yeah, I loved how everyone dove into new voice work on their characters and new personalities for their characters for Skitter Shot. Like it was just it was very organic. The way people were just like, you know what, I'm gonna play something completely different from what I'm I'm used to and everyone you all just jumped right in and I loved it loved it I don't want to give any spoilers but I will say that Steph should definitely reprise that character role because that was hilarious to me <laughs> Steph did an amazing job Britt did an amazing yes. job as their character yes. like it was it was just such Fun. It was such fun to break out of our own characters and do something just, you know, wild and something that we haven't done before. And so the that was lipstick nice. reminded me of the space opera scene from uh, The Fifth Element, which was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, I mean, it was fun. I think maybe we just keep the Skittershot characters in our back pocket for like random interludes. Of, we're just going to do this like one shot adventure just to mix things up because we all like those characters so much. Yeah, I will say uh, it did make me very glad that I did not go with my original idea for Angus, which was to make him a Skittermander Solarian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to play a Skitter now. I want to be Stitch. <laughs> this is fun. Oh, that was really cool. Although I will say, you know, Kenny and I at least have been talking about season two, and I briefly brought it up after the skitter shot, I think. But when we decide that we're ready to go to season two in about, I think we talked about that in like four months, three months. Yeah, I think uh, we'll be done with season one, um, actually uh, a, a, on the anniversary, so on June 1st. Yeah. So. At that point, I think what we really talked about was choosing things from the Alien Archives uh, characters that are just outside of the norm, like the Baranthu or... Um, I, I So, like, I, I know... Um, I, I think I am really focusing on doing, like, a, a contemplative... And I don't want to be like the know-it-all asshole contemplative either, because I, I know that that sort of character has is being done and has been done in them. I, I want to do something a little bit different, but mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a really easy archetype to fall into. Yeah. 
I mean, there's business brain. There is business brain. Maybe, maybe I could be like brain from Peaky in the brain. Every time I see the Baranthu, I mean the uh, contemplative, contempl contemplative. I think of that line from Bring It On, which is "Look at the big brain on Brad." Yeah. <laughs> so no matter <laughs> what you name him or her or it, I am going to be calling it Brad <laughs> in my head. Well, so I, I, it's they're going to be a them because it's a brain. They're a brain <laughs> with appendages. Yeah. They have a body. It's just but who we. Knows if it has sex organs, we don't. Nope. <laughs> That's true. I mean, they have brainy sex. Maybe they really release brain spores at each other. Who knows how they reproduce? I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, on the on the one level, it's kind of like the perfect asexual romance, wouldn't you think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it was right there. I couldn't yeah. not. No, it's awesome. So, I mean, I haven't decided what I'm going for, but I will probably try to pick a character species that is, you know, I I do not like insectoids at all, so I may choose oh. an insect species. Oh. Because it's so outside of it. Either that mm -hmm. or there's like the witch weird, which... Oh, yeah sounds like a cool technomancer character to bring and so i might try that which weirds racial abilities or super abilities are very interesting they're very niche uh, i think yeah. they can they can catch magic missiles and hurl them back and that's that's <laughs> what they're, what they're known for <laughs> one magic missile per free hand and hold it for the duration of that scene and oh. hurl one. You can't throw all of them back. You can throw one back per turn, which is kind of funny. That's hilarious. See, I don't know because I'm already playing a character from the archive. So it, it's a little bit like, okay, I could pick a different, but like I'm, I'm already, you know, Homebrewing everything about the Velaka. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the Velaka also falls into sort of, I mean, at least from my thinking on these characters, is it falls into a, I mean, it, to me, it falls into sort of the furry zone of, no, <laughs> which is the same for me with, you know, um, Angus, because he's playing a Minotaur, and again, it's a known character minotaur sexuality is a huge thing that i mistakenly googled one day <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, no, like it's it's on it's on gifly or whatever like unprepared for the things do, like that. do not <laughs> this is a public service announcement if you're looking for uh gifts or gifs or however you want to pronounce it do not search for minotaurs just don't I mean, trying to. I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. It's no, 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 absolutely. I just was not prepared for what I found because I was looking for something very, very innocuous. <laughs> it's like when I was trying to find another token for Fantasy Grounds for EOS, and it was just kind of like five minutes, and then nope, I'm just, gonna <laughs> I'm just so leaving it because. Not to yuck anybody's yum. I didn't want to look at it, so I closed the window. Yep. 
because that's what you should do to be a responsible adult. If you don't want to look, don't. Right. (laughs) This is not for staff. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not at all. Right. Uh, You you were mute, love. Oh, am I muted? Oops. I'm relieved I'm muted because the business cards fell on my desk and I made all kinds of stuff. I accidentally (laughs) opened the Alien Archive right to the contemplative, which is... I don't know whether it's contemplative or contemplative. Contemplative is what I've... Yeah, yeah, contemplative. But there are so many characters in here, like, that you can play that are just outside of all of that, like the Kalo, Kalo, which are a Mm -hmm. water race. Or water yeah. species, as I would prefer to call it. N- nomadic, um, uh, Twitch TV slash Nomadic and uh, Twitter uh, at Nomadic, um, G-N-O-M-E-D-I-C. Uh, uh, he really wants to play a, a Kilo, actually. Yeah, like, I mean, there are so many things. Don't come to us. Outside <laughs> of what we're used to. The one that I'm super, super interested in, if I were going to do an operative or something, is the Sarcesian. Mm. because they are just interesting looking to me. You know, they're the ones with like the energy wings and stuff from the Alien Archive 1. They're they're super interesting. And so one of the things I have difficulty wrapping my head around um, with the, the species are their heights. Like, is there like a standard hallway height for starships? Like, what happens when an eight-foot-tall character <laughs> tries to make it onto a ship of, you know, space goblins? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I say that it hurts my heart that no one can play an Azada Tritadair? A what? Beauties? Oh, the little butterfly people. The little space butterflies. <laughs> if that were an ability, I would be playing one of them in a heartbeat because that is cool who says it isn't well it's not listed as like okay the goron are actually a really interesting species are you familiar with them at all Mm -hmm. so these are the plant creatures oh yeah from alien archive too they look Mm. like this which is just super super cool you know, they've got just really neat racial species. I hate that it says racial everywhere, and so I fall into saying racies, racial. But they have these cool species abilities that are really, really interesting, like past life knowledge. Choose two skills from the following list. i give you a list. And the Goran adds the chosen skills to their list of skills or gains a plus two species bonus to checks with those skills. I think game. you just found my new race. <laughs> well, then you would photosynthesis, photosynthesis, which is Goron undergo photosynthesis to gain nutrition instead of eating, although they can eat if they so wish. The Goron can go without light, either sunlight or UV light, such as from starships, for three days, after which they must attempt a con check to avoid starvation. Oh. So... <laughs> So, have you all ever played in games where the DM was super strict about things like eating? No, never. I, like, I, I think a lot of it's flavor. Um, it's just one of those things that 
I've never really thought to keep track of. I've never had to. I mean, to be honest, I've played like including this three games. Oh, fair. Oh, nice. so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was not kidding when I told you when we started this that I'd only played one game before, and that was more like the um, end of the world game system. Mm. So that what didn't even have all the character building stuff that like Starfinder or D and D has. I had forgotten um, that because we did talk about all of that. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, but as somebody, when I was DM, when I DM my group, um, I use it as flavor kind of the same way, but most of the time I'm more worried about making sure they don't die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my party just had a, uh, fireball go off right next to our Goliath character. And I had to like dial it down so that she wasn't obliterated. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew that going in that somebody might fail the deck save. So I dialed down the damage because they were level two. And I'm like, I'm not killing my half my party today. That's not happening. So uh, this is actually an interesting question. Um, that uh, since you DM uh, Steph and since Calric is DMing a Numenera game, um, what other risks aside from death do you think are interesting to role play or, or create for your characters? I think he means in place of a death mechanic because yeah. I had a situation where a death mechanic made historical story sense and so I made it a percentage chance and I asked the character the the players about it if they felt how they would feel about losing their characters and Kenny was pretty vehemently against it the other two people were a little bit more receptive to the idea and Kenny said that he read somewhere that killing your players is the least interesting thing you can do when you're DMing you know, and I've in my research I've I've read is that as long as you make the death interesting or worthwhile somehow, that the players don't feel robbed. They feel like it's a story element and it it can add to the thing. And so he and I are having this back and forth about it. We would really love some outside opinions on <laughs> character death related to you know. Story. I also think it's a fun conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, I So what I've been having the most fun with right now is I'm the only one at the table who really knows a lot about everybody's backstories. Because <laughs> even though we did some like session zero stuff together as a group, like I've got two characters who are on revenge trips that they've mentioned to the party, but nobody really like only one of them, anybody knows what that is like what the revenge is for and what's motivated it. And I've got a whole other character where she told me this whole thing that happened in her backstory that no, like another player knows because that her best friend and they talk about like character building, but none of the other players do and none of the characters do. So like getting to play with that information because I come at it from a very story-driven place, um, is so much fun for me, 
especially because we're working a module. You know, I'm not homebrewing this game at all, which I kind of wish that I were now. <laughs> after having homebrewed half of our last session and I had so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you have a party of neutrals and people don't want a tavern for 25 gold. Which is the most bizarre thing ever to me. It, it is such, like, to be fair, all of their responses were legit. Like, I am i can't fault you for that logic, like, about why you wouldn't want that when it's like, he promised each of you 100 gold. Of course you don't want a tavern. You want your gold. Yeah. So, But it makes things hard for me. So I guess it was about month and a half to two months ago now um our friend jess at writer jess on at jess right jess r at right jess r and right is spelled like you are writing something um she will often do little one-shot games at a comic book shop here locally that she she really likes and supports and I went and played in that game locally, which we talked about on our Twitter account. And I played this character who, he was a sorcerer, and it was the first time I chose a background that was just completely irrelevant to anything, which was I made him a glassblower in a guild. And I fell in love with playing this character because all of that flavor from his glass blowing and being a sorcerer. So, you know, there was a lot of latitude of using, you know, prestidigitation and other such things to help with the glass blowing and making like little, you know, I'm sorry, my party is such a a dick sort of gifts for people was a little thing I just started doing. And that kind of stuff was super, super fun. So I don't know. It was, it was pretty, I really enjoyed that element. And so I think given the opportunity at getting a bar, I would I would have a character who would jump at that. And then it would just be, welcome to my new cheers. <laughs> See, I struggle with having having like permanent NPCs. Like I I I don't I'm such a in the moment. GM and person in those sorts of situations that I'm like, cool, this would be fun for right now. And I can't think like three games ahead where I'm like, okay, you know, this person needs to keep on coming. So they need a more interesting backstory. They need a consistent voice. You know, do they have an inventory? Like I can't come up with those sorts of um, practical things. I can come up with really interesting things for them to do in the moment. And then, you know, they might die. They may disappear into the ether. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. George is, honestly, that's one of the best NPCs I've ever had the (laughs) the fortune of playing with. Like, yeah, that is, Miu is very good at that. Oh, my. They are so talented. Yeah. George and Bra. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, bra is super fun, but oh my goodness, <laughs> I have kids. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's a <laughs> that would be a thing. But yeah, so the whole death 
thing. You know, I don't, I like, Kenny and I talked about how that would impact on EQP if one of our characters died. And I don't know. Yeah. Like, so, I, our characters are so, so cautious. <laughs> I, I think Angus is borderline gonna die at any moment as the only tank with not enough hit points to support it. I don't like Silverblade's quite tanky as well. So <laughs> I don't know. Like um... Silverblade's gone down, and I think is it two or three of the battles we've had. Mm. Two. Two. Yeah. Um, but Eos has a history of being a Valakan shield when someone is about to take a death blow. Yeah. I mean. You know, I, one of the things I am dying to talk about in character, like, it's always one of those fun, like, divides of, like, I have things that I want to explore with my character, but there's no way this comes up in conversation, mm -hmm. is, like, talking about what happened with her eyes. And... Yeah, well, and I think, you know, one of the things we have talked about doing with those sort of things is creating... Um, those kinds of videos to go up on our Patreon feed. And yeah. so, you know, that might be the way that goes. We've got, uh, so far we've got the one recording of Absco. <laughs> that is one of the funnier ones that I have listened to. Like I listened to it and I was like, this is, this is brilliant. Um, do you want to tell us some more about that, Kenny? Because it was fantastic and I really want you to do more of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I recorded it shortly after we um, uh, obtained the ASS Roseate. And uh, I was thinking about, you know, how paranoid Absco is. And I was like, okay, so the first thing they would do would be to feverishly try to do background checks on all of the crew. And, you know, without a proper place to start, they're just going to do it alphabetically. And so the first NPC to come out of that was a Aaron Aronson. And so um, that one came up in play and so i was like what would happen if you know absco continued this line of inquiry in their downtime as the self-appointed security officer <laughs> and so i recorded his or i'm sorry i recorded their musings on um you know going over personnel files and what they have found on people and what was interesting to them or odd to them or and i I wanted to create this quirky ugh, like background to some of our, our NPCs on the ship. And so I was able to do that. Uh, my, my favorite phrasing from it was anasite coital parts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm rather proud of that one. It's fun. Yeah. I, I think I may improv... Hey, Counterbolt. Um, I may improv one for Eos. Like I said, it's just going to end up being Steph accidentally does ASMR. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> it would just kind of be like her, you know, going through appointment through appointment. Well, not appointments, but you get where I'm going mm -hmm. with that with different crew members coming in and I thought about like 
somebody comes in with a stress injury because they were trying to impress Absco or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, somebody trying to help Mornax and accidentally getting hit by something by Silverblade or, you know, Mm -hmm. working with Bra and Bra just kind of being Bra. Yeah. You know, and going through all that and there's the only way to do that is going to be improv. Mm-hmm. and having a list of NPC names. And I did, like, I hope one of the two that I made gets used. Like, I thought it was, I had fun doing it, um, but creating an NPC for the med team and maybe creating some others and doing stuff like that is is fun because, you know, we have this crew and we need to people it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I also want to do stuff with our interactions. Like there's definitely a moment where I would like Angus to <laughs> like, I would like us to do like a holiday themed thing or a, a birthday themed thing where we give gifts to each other because I already know that Angus has a stash of um, select best soap operas <laughs> that are hard to find to gift to Mordax. <laughs> so we have a chat question from Counterbolt. Did any of us think about attacking Eve? No. Honestly, when the dragon first showed up and stole the adventure hook, heck yes, I thought of it. <laughs> if I had not been frozen, there'd have been a stellar rush in my future. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Absco was pissed because they got through that whole fucking death trap that was the Adventure Hook show, and, yeah, they were right pissed about the whole set of shenanigans, and just to have their reward, they're a very reward-based person, um, have their rewards stolen from them, yeah, they, they they were fucking pissed, and at least would have demanded explanation if not attacked. Yeah, I think... I think it being taken, I would have attacked, Angus absolutely would have attacked, but it would have had nothing to do with 18, because I thought 18 was super sketchy for messing with my yeah. girl Phaedra, because yep. I had already developed a bond with Phaedra where I was looking at her as extended family. Like, I, Angus has a sister, and she's real judgmental of him, so Phaedra <laughs> being so accepting, Angus is like, heck yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it was, it was, I absolutely would have gone after Eve, but I don't know that I'd have ever given the adventure hook to 18 either. Yeah. So Eos came on a little bit after, like, what was, what was Eos's perception? Well, um, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, Eos didn't have the going through the death trap that was the adventure (laughs) hook show. Which was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun to listen to and just sass Boys, about I can uh, with you guys. But I need to not. Yeah, for her, it was so very different because she had the knowledge that you guys had gotten from the kobolds to go off of, which when um, Miu had told us, you know, included her building up the civilization there and kind of, you know, just all bringing life to a desolate place, which 
the Velakin planet is. And mm-hmm. she could, she just really could identify, or not identify, but um, she really could respect somebody who would take the time to see value in a place that was dying. Because there were a lot of people who probably overlook Lejac because it's a dying planet and the people on it, you know, probably seem pathetic and desperate because they know their planet is going to die in a few centuries, but because their sun is dying, but they are still going to maintain their life there. And to her, she's going to respect somebody who's going to, you know, try to build a civilization in a place like that. And plus 18 was shady as shit. And they had just connected 18 to fundamentalists from the Saren Ray you know, in connected to the Saren, to the worship of Saren Ray, which is Eos's deity for anybody mm-hmm. listening who may not know. And I gave, like, I out of that, I developed her backstory more where I realized that her experience with the shepherds had, her last planet had been in a religious civil war. So she's not a fan of zealots. Yeah. And is backing them. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I think Absco is struggling with the whole scale of everything. Like they are so um, dealing with their own personal issues and inside of themselves, and worried about their little world and their little everything. That the scale of what's at stake, the scale of what eighteen is trying to do, the scale of what Eve did. And it relating to everyone's existence is just a bit outside of their their point of view and their perspective. And so, like, they don't have much to say about any of it. It becomes a little bit more black and white to them because, like, okay, this one's good, this one's bad. Got it. Because they don't want to put more effort into that because they already put so much effort into every little detail around them. So I, it, it's, it's a lot more difficult uh, for, for Absco, I think. Um, I think it became a little more clear for Angus when Miu had Eve send the kobolds to save us. Mm-hmm. And 18 just kept sending us out to do things for 18. And mm-hmm. all being cloaked in, you know, good for us as well was interesting. But I think, I mean, 18 was just shady AF from the start. Giving us that Isoki person who claims somebody else's name and then used our ship to kill said person would be mm-hmm. real problematic. And I would really like to address the whole fishing thing. <laughs> oh, because I get a lot of shade about suggesting that we fish with the Isoki. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were teaching a specific Yosoki a lesson. It has nothing to do, as I think is illustrated by our interaction with Mordax, Yosoki as a species. <laughs> so I, I am super wor- worried about my portrayal of Absco in that way because Absco is only 
sexually attracted, not romantically attracted to, maybe sexually is the wrong word too, but like just attracted to androids. Aesthetically? Aesthetically, or I mean, existentially, really. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything else, everything else that's uh, biological is too messy and too imperfect. Which is fascinating based on the fact that Absco refuses to do what the rest of his species does to mechanically alter themselves towards more perfection and yet is still attracted to that elsewhere. And I find that fascinating. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I think, you know, Absco's thoughts on that are that, you know, you will bio engine or bio people are not able to uh, obtain the same level of existence as androids. And so there's no use in going through that toil and that trial. And in fact, it's almost a, a bastardization of, you know, androids in, in, so it's disrespectful. Interesting. And so that's that's kind of Absco's take on it, but I think this is it's a little bit too existential for <laughs> to be fun. It's a little bit up my butt. <laughs> well, and we also kind of walked ourselves into an interesting situation like that again with um, Mordax and Eos, and it'll be really interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy to me. <laughs> it went from, you know. I love how Eos just got passionate and angry about something. And then, you know, in spite of the whole, I don't like extremists, took an extremist take on 18 and then gets immediately called on that shit by Mordax in the harshest way possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was amazing. I was not prepared for it, and I love every moment of it. How you two figure that out is going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll it'll be real interesting um, to see how it goes in play, and you know it. It. I don't know. I I honestly don't know how it's going to go because I. You know, Eos has spoken her piece, mm-hmm. and you're not wrong that she took a very extremist response. But um, if you kind of look at the evidence she was presented, <laughs> I mean, and then after having watched that, mm-hmm. oh, a lot of it sorry. kind of comes down to um, there. It's something that 18 had said, I think, where um, they, (laughs) Kenny's I don't know what happened to our. It's me, sorry, there we go. (laughs) If you you hit the top, uh, there's a button at the top that says um, gallery view. Oh, that's not it. (laughs) That's not right. Pardon our adjustments as we get everything back into alignment. Sorry, Um, I was was trying to make it better on my eyes, on my view. And since I'm hosting the meeting, it did not work well. My bad. (laughs) Well, now we know. Yep. What is happening? (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. But <laughs> yeah, so um, there was something that, and I, I'm hoping it's not metagaming, where, you know, in that fight when we finally saw 18 and Eve going at it in Timeless, and if I remember correctly, it's been a couple of weeks since I listened to that <laughs> to that episode. Um, you know, 18 talks about wanting to destroy everything because Eve refuses to help her. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's so short-sighted mm-hmm. and selfish that Eos, it's just utterly ridiculous because it's like you're going to destroy the entire world because you want to die instead of just like you know i I, sorry cp you know content warning um but in her mind it's just like if you want to die Yeah. I, I hesitate to even vocalize it just because as... There are alternative methods. There are alternative methods. Having method. a deity do it for you. Yes. And there are alternative ways to handle it that aren't wholesale destroying the entire universe. As someone who lives in the universe, Eos takes umbrage with that. Well, it, it, it's, it's interesting because at first, when we were first introduced to, you know, 18... Um, Solomon, there was this whole carrot or hook about uh, Triune. And, you know, I thought that's where it was going to go. But to get this other um, storyline out of it, it, it's interesting. And I wonder if Triune still plays into it or if that was kind of a fake. I'm not sure. But it's it's a very interesting storyline. It's very... Victorian romantic (laughs) (laughs) or gothic romantic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting. I know Miu has mentioned that they have um, machinations for how all of this is going to end Mm -hmm. and to see what happens there. But yeah, it's, it's been so much fun in terms of like solidifying some of the backstory stuff that I had for EOS that like I had this framework, but I didn't have a ton of detail in it, which I'd done intentionally because, you know, coming into the game late, I wanted to leave as much space as I could if we wanted to like work back and say like maybe she and Absco at some point have interacted or she and Angus, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted that fluidity in there. And now having kind of established, okay, this is their first meeting it opens it up for me to go back and explain like, okay, because um, when a little behind the scenes thing for me, when we had that moment where she'd gotten so upset when we were still on um, the burning archipelago, Mm -hmm. I as a player had to step back and go, okay, did, was there a me bleed here? Which is what I call when, you know, the char- I stop being the character and it's Steph playing. Um, or is there something else in Eos's character that I hadn't considered yet? And it turned into a really cool story point where I could go back and um, I hope to God at some point 
me lets me play with this because I've mentioned the name a couple of times, the organization, the military organization she worked with that I titled the shepherds mm-hmm. and no relation to mass effect. <laughs> but I just really liked the title for what I envisioned them doing because um, they work a little bit like the seekers, if I remember correctly, within the Starfinder um, universe mm-hmm. where they work within the pact worlds well, the shepherds work with the people outside of the pact worlds as they want to join the pact worlds and bringing them into the pact. So I got to build an, the entire planet and stuff where the last confrontation happened, where she lost her eyes mm-hmm. and what was going on there. And I real that's when I got all of the um, extremist stuff going on. And it's like, okay, she had this really bad experience only a few months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it is very triggering to then be in another situation. <laughs> Suddenly I'm hearing fox screams. Right? I'm sorry, it's my pet squonks. <laughs> I so badly. But so, you know, and and it's pulling that in where... Mm. Um, you know, getting to explain it and also well, getting to play a character with PTSD. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a very interesting question that I was actually going to bring up later. So it's a good uh, segue. When you're creating characters, do you create um, personifications of yourself or things that are outside of your, your yourself? Um. <laughs> as a writer or as a role player like that's as a as a ttrpg person as a ttrpg person i i mean it's not too different from my writing i'll be honest hmm. there's always there has to be a hook you know and um Calric talked about that earlier where he was struggling with angus um there has to be something that i can connect with in the character but like what I EOS is the easiest thing I've got since it's the only real consistent experience I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I built her, I had in mind the need that was there for the group. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys needed a medic. Um, before then, I'd actually been throwing around a mechanic character that I wanted to play, mm-hmm. but obviously Mordax was there. But um, you know, so. When I tried to think about, okay, you have this role um, that you need fulfilled, I just kind of came up with her story from there. Like, it just kind of fell into place off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think about it in terms of like, oh, she has PTSD like I do, or, you know, she's a caretaker kind of person who, you know, which again is something that as you get to know me, I am also that person. So <laughs> none of those things were intentional. It just mm-hmm. kind of happened. Fair. That so I don't intentionally try to make them like an extension of myself. Um some of the other characters I've created that I haven't gotten the chance to role play, because I think I've mentioned off mic, obviously that I can't, just for fun made a couple D&D characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like one that I'm really looking forward to playing is a warlock where the whole idea behind her was I wanted to 
write a warlock. I wanted to play a warlock who had an archfey pact. And I thought, how cool would it be if, you know, this was a character who is running away from a bad situation and ran into a fey in the woods as they were trying to, you know, save their own skin. And instead that fey was like, here, let's do this. Nice. And go from there. Obviously, I'm not a warlock. <laughs> you know, so I come at it from not a place of making extensions of myself, but I have these ideas and I'm like, ooh, that's a cool character to play. Let me write that down. Yeah. Uh, Kelrick, how about you? I try to create characters that are at least tangential to myself, where I find a personality um, expression that is different from myself, but it's really challenging. You know, I'm a pretty opinionated person, and not expressing opinions is a real <laughs> difficult <laughs> thing for me. So I I keep trying to create characters that are less of that and you know sometimes i succeed sometimes less so it just sort of depends on the day so you know but i definitely i put in the effort and mm -hmm. once i come up with a character concept i really try to invest myself in it i hope at some point to be as good as uh brit is at oh my goodness yeah they are so talented they have, They're ridiculous they in have, the best way. But I mean, having someone that talented, I think, has, has really elevated the rest of our play. Like, it has been mm. amazing. You know, and so between them and me, you, I think the rest of us have all learned a lot and worked really hard to get there. I know I'm trying to do more of it. Being a GM actually has helped a lot with trying to create different. NPCs for you all to at, interact with on the Cuminera side. Mm -hmm. So that has been really eye-opening for me. I really liked, I think the thing about Skitterman, the Skitter Shot that was so good for all of us was it was pre-generated characters that told us what they were about. And so we had to find ways to bring that in. And I sort of, yeah. went, like, I played the medic in the Skitter Shot and they have this whole thing where they're actually supposed to be making fun of old homeopathic re remedies before Starfinder era medicine happened. And I went the complete opposite direction with that. And I was like, you know what? I use both. And I think they're both helpful for you. And so I went ridiculous. So, yeah. But my, go ahead. Uh, my Skittershot character was gendered as a female, but uh, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, these are aliens. <laughs> and so I, 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 uh, did, uh, um, um, oh man, why am I losing the word for it? Uh, a gendered, uh, character, you know, with them, because that's, yeah, I, I, as a, as a, um, you know, uh, a person who identifies as he, him, you know, I don't want to, you know, play a character who is, you know, identified as she, her without first having like a real thought behind it and giving, um, you know, just a couple moments glance at a page. It's, you know, not that easy to, to 
pop into that headspace and not be offensive. <laughs> um, you know, for me with Absco, like I wanted to play them uh, as as gender neutral and not um, have a distinct, you know, def defined gender. One because of you know they're an alien species, but two like you know when I was growing up um, as a kid, like gender was just pushed on you. You know, you you are a boy, you like boy things. You're a girl, you like girl things. Well. I was a very soft-spoken boy who, you know, had a very, you know, traditionally gay voice, you know, wh whatever a gay voice is, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't masculine and I didn't have a lot of masculine qualities to me. And so I, I don't identify as uh, gender neutral or agendered, you know, but I feel like had I known about the option when I was younger, it would have been something that I would have probably slid into because I didn't have traditionally masculine qualities to me. And I still kind of don't. Like, you know, I can grow a beard, sure, but I have very long hair. And, you know, I'm not, you know, butch framed. I'm very comfortable with my, the feminine qualities I have as with the masculine qualities I have. So, you know, it, it is what it is there. Um, but I feel like I was, I'm confident in playing Absco in that same manner, you know, without needing to have very specifically masculine qualities, nor very traditional feminine qualities. You know, it's, it's kind of just in the middle of that spectrum. Um, what was difficult for me was making sure I was consistent and very respectful about the pronouns. Um, you know, because I identify as he, him, it was very easy for me to slide into he, him, you know, as, as uh, using those pronouns while playing as Absco. And that was a very difficult transition um, and to, to try to be consistent about. But, you know. I think, I, think, I think that's one of the areas where EQP actually brings something to the table for our straight audience members, which is really, I think, makes us easier to identify with them in that gender identity if you don't struggle with it, is a real challenge to understand and embrace. You know, mm. using proper pronouns is really hard. And one of the things that, you know, impacts on how we identify with it is we're playing characters who are having expressing different gender identities than we are. Like we have, you know, cast members who identify as they, them, but play characters that are she, her or, you know, vice versa, or whatever combination. And so it's really hard for all of us to keep in mind which person we're talking to. Are we speaking to the person who's on camera in front of us, or are we speaking to the character? Mm -hmm. And that has led to some problems. And we've been very fortunate to have, you know, friendly listeners who have felt confident enough and secure enough that we will be understanding and supportive of addressing our issues that they have reached out to us and said, you know, when you make these errors, it throws us out of the enjoyment and it, it, it reinforces our feeling of being stigmatized. Mm -hmm. So we address that very proactively and we really work on it and we're constantly correcting each other to make sure that yes. we do this correctly. And I think that struggle when we let it show on the show earlier made it identifiable 
identifiable for straight allies who are like, you know, I really struggle with this sometimes. And they're like, well, okay, this is something because our culture has really embedded it into us that there are, you know, two genders and, you know, what you, what you are born with sex wise is what your gender needs to be. And we are also combating that. Like we intellectually understand it and Mm -hmm. emotionally embrace it, but we still struggle with in the moment, not just falling into those habits we were raised with. And so we are constantly working to improve that. And I think that's a really strong thing that EQP brings to the podcast atmosphere at the very least. Yeah. And there's, there's really something to, you know, be said to acknowledge the struggle in that. And I don't want to continue to belabor the point at all, because obviously it's not a struggle um, to use the right pronouns that people um, want. Like obviously we're all cognizant of it, but it is the moments when you're fighting against what society has trained you to do for however many years plus before that's been something that you have internalized yourself Mm -hmm. that in those moments happen, but you know, we try to be cognizant of it and then correct ourselves as quickly as possible and continue on. And most of that gets taken out in editing because we catch it, we stop, we repeat, you know? Yeah. So it, it's powerful to be able to say in an atmosphere where, um, you know, our group can get really vilified because we can be polarizing and very vocal about bad representation. Mm-hmm. is the point I wanted to get to. And, you know, to acknowledge that we know it's like, it's going to be a learning curve and trying to get people to a point where, you know, seeing the difference between somebody being an asshole about it and consistently not trying and someone else being acknowledging, like, I am learning and I'm continuing to get better and I'm you know, thank you for giving me the space to continue to improve my own understanding. Yeah. It's also, but you also don't want to speak for their, the other's experience where, you know, day after day after day, they have to deal with it, you know, yeah. and that is a struggle. And, you know, that that is definitely something that we don't want to belittle at all. No. Right. And, and I mean, we're working on so many different things. Like since we've started this podcast, we've made a concerted effort to try and take the expression you guys out of (laughs) because it's setting masculine as the norm. And so, I mean, for Kenny and I, at least, this should be the easiest of things because we grew up in Texas saying (laughs) y'all rolls off the tongue. Mm -hmm. Yet culturally, we're so used to saying you guys that we do struggle with it. And so... You know, it, we're working on a lot of different fronts that we're being educated on constantly. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's definitely something that we are always working to improve. And we hope that, you know, people understand that we are never unsensitive to the subject. We are always working to make sure we can live up to the that we intellectually and emotionally believe are required (laughs) or 
what who people should be, you know, who people should be and who people should behave in this day and age in our society. Like we want to be those people. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing our best to be there and show that that is that is who we really yeah, I mean, in, in our rainbow of of people, in our LGBTQIA plus society, you know, if we don't identify as a part of you, we want to be as inclusive as possible and make as much room for you as possible. Um, because we are all struggling for acceptance. We're all struggling for all of these things that day after day after day are, are, you know, trying to be taken away from us. And if we aren't standing together, then you know, we're, we're just not going to get anywhere. Well, and I mean, if you just think about how we started experience points, which Steph, you weren't really there for, but you know, when we first started, the whole reason we have Miu as our amazing GM is because I went on a public Starfinder forum and did a casting call looking for female identified voices. And I was like, that's what I'm looking for, preferably, you know, people who have some exposure to Starfinder, but even that wasn't necessary. If you haven't roleplayed before, we can learn, but I wanted other queer voices that were not, I mean, my husband and I are both, you know, cis, white, gender cis. males. Yeah. That's, that's who we are. And so we wanted a platform where we could play but also where, one second, I am live on. Kids break. <laughs> no, but, but that's very important. But yeah. the amount of pushback I got for saying I was looking for female identified LGBTQ people was absurd. Sorry, a kid could not figure out how to close the door suddenly. Um, like, it was so bad. I mean, it was it was people saying that experience points by trying to find an all-queer cast with more female than male voices was being the same Exclusion. as being racist or sexist. And, like, the pushback was so crazy that Miu messaged me and was like, you know what? F these people. I will be on your cast. My time is full, but I will make time for EQP. And it's one of the best things that's happened for us because Miu is amazing. Mm -hmm. The second best thing was having someone from Paizo come on and tell everyone, roll your, your opinions back here. This is exactly what our forum is for in this case. Um, mm -hmm. And this is no no different than asking, looking for a group of players in Cincinnati. Yeah. It's no more exclusionary than you looking for a group to meet up with face-to-face -face in your hometown. We're looking for, you know, community members that we can play with and completely backed us up. And that was absolutely lovely. And yet another reason to love this game and this product. So... It's absolutely awesome. Um, I had another. Oh, yeah. Um, so 
we've talked uh, spoken a lot about uh, experience points Starfinder. Uh, do we want to talk about some of the other streams and uh, podcast plans that we have? I think we stick with the stream yeah. thing first because that <laughs> is what's coming up next. That's on Monday, and we're super excited. So that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Monday, um, <laughs> the start time is a little spongy, but uh, I believe 5 p.m. Pacific, we'll, we'll start having something up. up. But um, we're going to be doing a stream called uh, uh, Pun Times. It's something that I am running. Um, we're playing a game called Slasher, who, which is by Higher Grounds Publishing. It is a Fate Core-based game um, that is basically all the players are acting out a horror movie, including one of the players being a killer. And... We did a session zero, uh, I want to say like three weeks ago, not, not too long ago. And we discussed a little bit of character creation and who these characters are. Um, both Steph and Kelrick are, are going to be playing in it. Um, I myself, I'm the director. And then we have an amazing cast of people joining us. Um, at Right Jess R is going to be there. Um, Callie uh, from Roll to Fail. Uh, as well as Mew plays games. Uh, Mew, our, our uh, GM for Starfinder. Um, so this is, is such a great cast of people and such an interesting storytelling um, group because this is a, a, a thing where they don't have to be a crew. They don't have to help each other if they don't want. In fact, they can trip each other trying to escape the killer. And we have not been kind yet. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> to the point where zero. I'm like... <laughs> Do you remember that you can help each other if you choose? <laughs> Our session zero was supposed to just be character building, and it was live on Twitch like this is. But it, we just naturally fell into role-playing with each other scenes instead of just saying, you know, this is what we're thinking should be our backstory. We started role-playing scenes together, and so I'm super excited for how this will go because everything just sort of flowed super naturally. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Did you get that? Uh, 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 natural uh, super natural. <laughs> That's a pun. Yes. <laughs> I, I hope that I am able to do better on Monday than I did on session zero. Because. Oh, no, you were great. great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but everybody, like, all of you guys started jumping in and, like, role playing stuff. And I'm sitting here, like, talking about her in the third person because I couldn't, like, just. <laughs> jump in and play her yet um i mean i'm super stoked to be playing her and i think as we get along like harper is a bit more of a team player so i think um if anybody is going to try and wrangle these crazy mofos into a party it's going to be her but, that that's assuming that you all have you know scenes together yeah and that's assuming <laughs> i survive fair enough i mean and I would like to be clear, we started off session zero with some pretty traumatic things happening, much like we did in experience points, which <laughs> would indicate we were probably not at our best when we had these social interactions. If you all missed session zero, I highly recommend that you... Is it still on Twitch or is it down at this point? Let me check. It might be down. I think we're at the level with our account where it only stays up 14 days. Um, yeah, well. You saved it though, yes? Oh, yeah. I did save it. 
Um, because it's going to go live as a podcast that we'll release on yeah. um, our podcast streams in end of April. Right. Last day of the month, starting in April, ending on Halloween. Yep. Because it's a slasher thing, and we're super excited. <laughs> and I don't know if we we mentioned, but the whole reason we're doing this is because the game creator, Higher Ground Games actually mm-hmm. reached out to us and said they thought that would be a great fit, which we jumped on because this is such a fun... I mean, we were like, wait, there's slasher stuff here? We're totally in. Let's let's." Make yeah. <laughs> well, and, and plus there's something, like, ridiculously flattering because uh, I remember um, mine and Britt's first response was, you know, oh, were they looking for the original cast? And... He, you guys had mentioned they specifically wanted um what was the cast now Mm -hmm. and that's pretty like i i admit how rough my transition into the crew was um (laughs) it it wasn't the like we we made the best of a awkward situation well okay so character i mean i'm not talking out of character in character well i mean you there there are a couple of stumbling blocks number one role-playing on a camera Number two, (laughs) role-playing while being recorded on a camera. Number three, having equipment that may or may not be the best for recording and doing all that. So, like, you were overcoming a lot of different hurdles, not to mention just, you know, playing RPGs. And EOS (laughs) was not fully fleshed out and had no connection to anyone. Yeah. EOS was just like, oh, I'm standing here around these people who have had at least a few days of knowing each other and minor adventures and now i'm standing in this room next to someone who is trying to step in and dictate their lives and they don't know that i'm not with her (laughs) right (laughs) am i an undercover spy as far as they're concerned who am i to these people (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is all fair but um i you made me lose my train of thought but i appreciate the backup um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but with all of that um being said us as a group yeah and that and that was something nice because the five of us have come up with a really interesting group of characters and our interactions are hilarious at when you know we're not being super serious or in the middle of a fight <laughs> I love, so I love how our cast came together and like, so there are other uh, members of, of the experience points crew who wanted to be involved, but couldn't make it for this project. So like Britt wanted to be involved, but they were just way too busy. Um, Aaron, who's on our human era cast wanted to be involved, but they're also, you know, they're a student and they work, they are super busy as well. So like we put out a, a, an open call on our discord and, you know, we, Callie had been there because of the GM swap thing. And so, you know, they're like, or uh, she was like, yeah, you know, this would be cool. But she wasn't, you know, a member of any of our casters. Like, is this okay if I volunteer for this? We're like, yes, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Callie might be getting a little more time with us if I can make things work out because they, she did buy the new Monero book. Thanks to Kimera. <laughs> and I'm like, if I can if I can get some time for Callie to come on and do some guest appearances on Kimera, Callie is 
so talented and so mm-hmm. funny. And mm-hmm. the characters they create, ha- she creates, have such depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, I would be very excited to do more work with Kelly. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I really want to see how um, our session one goes with Slasher uh, on Monday. (laughs) We've come up with some interesting scenes that uh, we're going to do. I think we're just, uh, a lot of them are going to be continuations of um, the um, adventures that you all have experienced, which I think you all have come up with some really amazing seeds uh, for, for story ideas. And I mean, where else would we have come up with a whole, you know, doll parade? Like, I feel so excited and guilty that I threw <laughs> that out there because it's horrifying. Yep. Only if you're afraid of dolls. Uh-huh. Creepy, eyeless, cracked face dolls? Nah, they're, they're nothing. One of my formative memories of being exposed to horror was as like a... 10 or 11 year old watching the twilight zone and the talking tina episode where they say i'm talking tina and i'm going to kill you to the kid's dad and i was like nope i'm out this is not a genre for 10 year old kelrick not a thing nope here we are all this time later crazy killer doll stuff so uh to kind of abstract it a little bit, what are y'all's thoughts on the intersection of uh, the LGBTQIA experience and horror? Oh. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind for me, actually, is that scene from one of the Scream movies mm-hmm. where one of the kids is, is, is a teenage boy who is one of the ones who talks about the rules of Mm -hmm. slasher films and like one of the rules is you don't kill the gay people and he comes out when he's about to be murdered or something. Oh, that was probably from like the second or the third one. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't, the gay people don't die? What? Is that a slasher movie? Because I have not seen that anywhere. Like, I see that everywhere. Like, if there's a show with gay people, some one of you's dying. Are you in a loving, committed relationship? We're killing half of it, at least. So, I mean... Yeah, there, there's an entire trope around it. Well, so I think it's interesting in, in this context that, you know, we are owning the horror genre in this way, or that we're able to break into it um in this way as and be able to control our narratives and to have interesting things happen to our characters that aren't just you know your novel your your side character and we're going to use you as a narrative device mechanic mm-hmm. you know to elicit m- emotions i i think that you know an everyday representation of queer characters and then have it coincidentally be in the horror genre <laughs> no and that and you know, we touched on it earlier. That's my whole bread and butter, man. Like, bring on, you know, taking these stereotypes and flipping them the bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, there is a 
I don't remember if it's Toni Morrison or Maya Angelou, and I'm gonna kick myself when I Google it later. Um, I wanna say it's Toni Morrison who said, if you want to read something that isn't out there, you have to write it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of become my mantra. Like that's what pushed me to finish my first novel. That's what is pushing me as a fan of, you know, tabletop RPGs and as a player. Like, I think that's why when you reach out to me, Calric, and asked if I wanted to join the cast, like, even though I was like terrified at the prospect of doing all this, because I'm like, I don't have a mic. I don't have a, I don't have any of the stuff to podcast, but it was so important to me to contribute not only as, you know, a female voice, but as a lesbian, as demisexual, you know, as somebody where my whole point <laughs> of calling myself Steph the Bard is to be that bard who creates stories about people who are used as tropes and as plot devices or are mistreated in so many different works and wanting to do better with it and doing that through horror, which is a genre that was actually the first thing that I ever wrote was horror, <laughs> which I don't think I ever told you guys that. No. Um, I don't write a lot of horror now, but when I was younger, I wrote a lot of horror because it was a coping thing for me. And um, so getting to play in that and then not only that, but to make a girl, you know, make a character who was a final girl and, you know, have her be an out lesbian, mm -hmm. like, I can't think of a horror movie off the top of my head that looks like what we're doing here. No. Right. And that to me is exactly why we need to do it. Yeah, I agree. Even though the horror genre is all about subverting tropes and flipping them on their heads and making fun of them. But there aren't a lot of movie makers out there nowadays, unfortunately, that are going to take those risks. I can't think of any mainstream stuff. Like I seem to remember yeah. a couple of queer horror themed movies that are indie that were pretty mm -hmm. pretty good but you know nothing where you can go to the theater and see you know stuff like like i like that they're doing like the rom-com stuff like love simon and stuff like that because you know our queer kids need to see representations of themselves mm -hmm. our queer adults need to see it too yeah um <laughs> No, but no. you're absolutely right. And that's no. the biggest thing Out. that's kind of been my push. And that's also been a pushback that I've gotten from people when I talk about my writing. Like, with somebody mentioning, you know, that I may not be taken seriously or I may not, you know, get on like a major publishing, you know, company's list because I'm writing LGBT fiction. and. There was an entire Twitter thing where somebody was talking about it not that long ago, and it was depressing to read. Yeah, but there were also just as many like best-selling publishing authors out there, you know, rallying against it. And the movie industry is just a little bit slower than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. We're seeing the most dynamic stuff on like Netflix, and yeah. and on TV is inching, but. Holy. But like even Star Trek, which is supposed to be the most egalitarian of shows, has had such a problematic background. 
you know, I mean, their most recent one where they have this absolutely amazing, loving gay relationship and they kill half of it. They have, you know, they were supposed to make Captain Archer bisexual, I think, or queer of some sort. And they're like, no, we can't do that. You know, like there's all these promises of bringing us into these things that. Which unfortunately happens all too often. I mean, you, it it's just the nature of the beast and I hate it. Yeah. Which is I, why we're here. Yeah, it's it's really impressive and hopeful to see things like, you know, the movie uh, Get Out, you know, become so successful and so mainstream where, you know, it's minority storytellers in a specific genre like horror tell such a salient story and be so successful at doing so and being so broadly accepted and recognized for something um, that, you know, doesn't typically get that sort of recognition. And I think that, you know, while we are in this horror scape of our current existence, <laughs> socially and politically, you know, there are these, you know, gems that are surfacing, you know, as a, as a, as a portion of this struggle, I feel. Oh, yeah. I mean, what can you do in this time, but turn it into art? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can get mad, but it, you can also create like some of the best art of even our time has come out of situations that aren't that dissimilar to us. Like, yeah, look at how much of what is foundational to us that came out of World War II or, you know, Watergate or so many other political things as inspiration that... Mm -hmm. You know, we wouldn't have zombies if it weren't for Revenants and Revenant, you know, people talk about that being a um, personification of like consumerism or, you know, the Red Scare. Like there's so many different ideas of where like some of the like what we term as basic horror tropes came from. Mm -hmm. That was really just kind of flipping those things on their head. Mm -hmm. And a lot of mainstream horror now is kind of inching away from it in some places because there are people who forget that you know horror's initial creation was um to you know flip things on its head right yeah and subvert it well i'm super excited to see what happens with this show like yeah the one who's participating in it is super excited Mm -hmm. The whole horror thing is, I don't know about you, but Kenny and I at least have been doing a lot of exploration of horror movies that we may not have done a lot of recently, so mm -hmm. they're a little bit more prepared. And yeah, we're super, super excited. About exploration it. being, we watched one. <laughs> I can give you a list. Like, no, 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 it's fine. We're good. <laughs> I mean, there are some great ones. And if anything, I would recommend not just watching American Horror in preparation. Like, oh, I, no. I, I'm such a nerd for, like, horror. Like, my, my parabatai is way bigger about all this stuff, like, get her going for let and she could give you a dissertation on horror mm -hmm. which is why i know so much we sit here and we english major the crap out of it <laughs> <laughs> and, 
we'll watch these movies and then talk about you know like what went into them or you know like awesome. i get into the special effects stuff right you know so there's there's so like i don't need to research <laughs> it's there in my brain exactly. all the time so mm-hmm. i feel like we've gotten a little <laughs> deep on this talk and maybe we want to lighten it up a little bit <laughs> Do, do we want to talk about our other project with experience points? The Cuminera one or? Yeah. Yeah, um, we can. I, uh, with Steph here, it's a little difficult because Steph's not <laughs> actually on that cast. But, you know, we'll do a quick touch base on it and then we really should wrap up for a while because it's sure. almost the time when we would finish recording. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll probably go through and just do a complete uh, rip of this as an mp3 and just throw it up for EPP this um, but Cuminera is this fantastic game system by Monty Cook Games that is cipher based so yet another game like we're really trying to find games that are completely different from D&D and experience points to, to play with new people and Cuminera is set in what is called the Ninth World, where, you know, just billions of just, I mean, just more years than you can actually wrap your head around have passed. And more, there are eight previous civilizations that have, you know, r- risen to preeminence and then crumbled on this one planet. And where people are playing characters in this world where when you find something that has effects attached to it, it could be just ancient science. It could be magic. It's so foreign and people don't have the understanding of what they found to know which it is. And so it gives you this really great opportunity to tell just weird stories and i mean the nice thing about monty cook games is they have been very clear is that if you're ever in doubt make something weird just go with it. <laughs> off the walls creative as you can possibly go and so we've released two of our episodes we're releasing every uh twice a month basically every other week yeah, every other week yeah and so it's a situation where the story we are much further in the story than our releases are. <laughs> so I can't say <laughs> too much other than we've got some really cool characters. Kenny's character is um, a really cool, their character creation is really cool. So Kenny, why don't you just tell them the, the character sure. creation you started with? Yeah, so uh, the Cypher system specifically, which Numenera is based off of uh, from Monty Cook Games, uh, makes you choose a, a couple of words to describe your character, and that's the basis for building your character. So my character, Hillian, is a, um, oh my gosh, an empathetic Jack who howls at the moon. A Jack is like a class, so there's like Nano, Jack, and Glaive. Nano is kind of more of a magic science user. Jack is like jack of all trades, and Glaive is the warrior type class. Um, empathetic gives you certain 
uh, traits and who howls at the moon as the thing uh, also gives you some specific traits. Um, and so I, I wanted to create this character who, you know, had some trauma <laughs> uh, involved in their creation because who doesn't want trauma in character creation? And um, they just, they kind of are, they're just doing, and they don't know exactly why they are, where, or why he is where he is. And he only knows he has a traveling companion that he always has. And he's always hunting for something. And using those two base things, that's, that's who Hillian is. He's empathetic in that he sees people struggling and he wants to help them and he wants to help them cope. Um, and then, you know, he loves his pet. Yeah. It, so that, that, that's who Hillian is. And I, I'm really excited for, you know, how, uh, otherwise he's super simple, just a simple guy. And so Kenny plays this dichotomy of a character who's super simple, but then you start talking about something he knows and he dives right into it, you know? And it's simple, but not dumb. <laughs> Which is fun because it, it's fun to listen to. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten the chance to get to episode two yet just because it fell off my iPod for some reason. Oh, weird. Yeah, I have to fix that, but you know. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, so it sounds like we're at a good place to kind of uh, exit the stream. Um, Steph, why don't you uh, tell us where people can find you? Okay. Um, I am Steph the Bard. You can find me at, listed as that on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Luna Starwind on Twitter, but you can also search um, Steph the Bard and find me that way. And yeah, every week I'm on EQ Points. Sweet. Uh, I am Kenny. You can find me on Twitter at PunderDrone. I'll be streaming here on Monday night. So that's Twitch TV uh, slash Experience Points. Uh, and we'll be here every the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, as well as some intermittent streams, so be uh, follow us for that. Uh, and I am going to be on Pro Restarters channel uh, every other Wednesday. So this Wednesday coming up, we're playing The Witcher with uh, who is DM'd by the Wandering DM. Cool. And I'm Kelrick. I am obviously on Experience Points. I am trying out my DM skills on Cuminera and finding how much fun it is and learning how challenging it is to try to tell a story collaboratively from this side of the table, which is super cool. I will also be here on Monday for our Twitch stream on uh, for our slasher game, Pun Times. I'm fortunate enough to also be doing another game with uh, Miu on Miu's Play Games Twitch stream. At, on any Monday, we're not doing the pun times, doing a Vampire the Masquerade game, which, you know, is super, super fun because I haven't done that since, you know, I can't even remember how long. And I'm also extremely fortunate to be playing with some very talented uh, game players on Thursdays during the day on Pro Restarters Twitch channel doing a Blue Rose uh, fantasy romance game, which is super cool. So I'm suddenly doing a whole lot more than I was just a few weeks ago, and it's been amazing. And with that, I think we just say <laughs> goodbye. 
I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you all so much for uh, listening to us rant and talk about LGBTQIA plus theory and intersectionality and identity. You all are awesome. We love you all for following us and listening to us. And yeah, hopefully we can do this again. This is fun. Yeah, and come back on Monday to see us play Slasher. Yeah, murder. With that, I'm saying goodbye. Bye, Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Experience Point Starfinder. If you're looking for more Starfinder podcasts in your life, we recommend checking out our sister podcast, Roll to Fail. They are a fun bunch of adventurers who screw up in a very different way from the adventure hookers. I cannot recommend them enough. If you like what we create, you should check out the other two podcasts on our network. Cuminera releases every other Friday with Kelric stepping into the GM seat for this adventure, utilizing Numenera, a system by Monty Cook Games. This homebrewed campaign is set in the distant future built on the bones of previous civilizations. Our three explorers are following the commands of the Order of Truth to help people gather information and retrieve magical or scientific items. What could possibly go wrong? We would like to thank everyone who tuned in on Monday for our session one of Pun Times. We had a great time kicking off our game of Slasher from Higher Grounds Games, even if the weather gave us a little bit of trouble. Don't worry, if you weren't able to join us live, you can catch session one on demand on the Experience Points Twitch for the next two weeks. And coming at the end of April, the campaign will be released as a monthly podcast. Stay up to date on all three Experience Points Network podcasts at EQ Points on Twitter and experiencepoints.com. Pardon our dust as Kenny continues working to update the website. It gets better and better with each day. Until next time, adventure hookers.